Hello and welcome to The Sustainable Psalm, the podcast aimed at celebrating socially and environmentally responsible wine and adult beverages through the use of science and education. This is Brett Zimmerman, Master Sommelier, owner of Boulder Wine Merchant and The Sustainable Psalm, and with me is my co-host Jacqueline Bowen, food and consumer product systems engineer and professional buzzkill at dinner parties. Hi! This podcast was recorded live from Boulder, Colorado. As always, the contents contained within should not be considered legal or medical advice. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Psalm podcast here. We're, uh, we're with Ari Walker today. He is the CEO of Integrated Beverage Group, and I'm here with my uh, co-host, Jackie Bowen. Howdy. We're having a good time here, but uh, I'm very excited to have Ari in the studio today. This is going to be great. We're... Uh, uh, longtime friends, and we've worked together in a variety of different areas in the beverage space. And so this is uh, this is a fun introduction uh, um, to a lot of things that you've worked with in the past. And obviously, you're running the uh, the IBG team and the whole program now. But before that, worked with Nexus Brands, mm. um, putting together a lot of uh, outstanding brands from all over the world: United States, California. Oregon, Washington, certain things over in Europe, and then also uh, prior to that, uh, Baroness, a great distributor uh, that is cer- still uh, still going underneath a different name. But uh, you guys put together an amazing uh, distribution portfolio that uh, still exists today and going strong. So uh, you've got lots of experience in this industry, and we're uh, very excited to have you here. So thanks for being with us. Well, thanks. Guys, for having me here, and, and thank you for reminding me about that bio. I think I, I'd forgotten about most of that. <laughs> it's always nice. It's not like you know. I guess being the uh, the leader of a of a company, it's not like you're uh, updating your resume for the purpose of sending it out on a regular basis. So, uh, always nice to look back on the success that you've had there. So, um, to that point, if you want to just give us a quick review of some of the history and maybe as it pertains to some of the conversation we're going to have today, just you know what you do and what's a, what's a day in the life of uh, of Ari Walker. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I, I think it's important um, to understand IBG, uh, to sort of understand where we started, which is as um, a group of, of people who are very concerned about purity uh, and transparency in consumer packaged goods. And we had one sort of uh, overarching uh, mission or vision in our business that sort of everything else has flowed from, which was that through our activity, what could we do to to make this world we share a, a better place? And so um, we, we started out by, uh, in probably an unusual way for an, an alcohol beverage supplier, which is that we started with the science and the data, what we call the science of pure. Uh, we created uh, what is generally considered to be the foremost uh, organic and analytical chemistry lab in the world for something we call a full category testing and benchmarking. And if that proves nothing else, uh, it proves that if you want to be the foremost at anything in the world, be very, very careful about how you define the category. If you make it small enough, you can definitely be the best. (laughs) I I know for me, the intersection of kind of Data, science, great tasting adult beverages, coupled with some sustainability sounds really good to me. But it's got to be, Ari, I mean, doesn't the whole concept of bringing some kind of like uh, this whole 
better for you category. I know that, Brett, you and I have talked about it at length, that it, we see it as such an emerging category, that we've seen it revolutionize food, but we have yet to see it really penetrate adult beverage. So how's how's that concept going? Is it is it resonating with consumers, Ari? Well, you know, I think we've been really, really fortunate that we started out with this this vision about how we were going to engage with consumers with a focus around purity and around transparency. Um, and we were, I think, maybe a little bit ahead of the curve, or a little bit ahead of our time in a sense that, that probably gives it too, too much credit, but we're a little ahead of the curve. Uh, and, and it was sort of tough sledding uh, initially, but we've been very, very fortunate that consumers have sort of come around to where we were. And because consumers have come around, retailers have come around. Uh, and so, you know, folks throw around that that term better for you in alcohol beverage. For me, that doesn't really resonate. But except to the extent that if by better for you, what you mean is that you want to put the purest products you can into your body and feed them to your family, and you want to know what the stuff is that's in those products, then then I could get on board with better for you in in terms of, you know, this is about not adding stuff into your wine or your spirits that you don't want. And also just being really transparent with consumers so that, you know, such that they can make the best choices for themselves and their families. Mm, that, that absolutely makes sense. I, it's especially when you think of better for you it's just a matter of providing consumers the choice. And I think given this whole craziness of COVID, if anything, it's probably served as a catalyst because consumers are just in, just more aware and more concerned about how they put what they put in their body and on their skin, how it affects their overall health as well as their immune system and, of course, the environment. So totally For sure. And I sense. think you're being a little <clears throat> little humble with saying, uh, you know, you're just ahead of the curve. I, I personally think you're 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 you've got this amazing vision and it's one of the things that's drawn me to some of the projects that you that you've done because it's actually it's you know the 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 markers out way ahead and yes certain people are starting to fall into that to that category but i think you guys initially really nailed that that you know purpose and that that idea of what where you want to be and it's really you know whether it's you know the conversations that i have with jackie or other people in the that are professionals in the industry I keep peeling back these layers of the onion, just being so surprised that there's so little information that people have about the products, specifically with beverage alcohol that they're putting in their body. And it's crazy to see some of these things. But there are people now, I mean, whether it's, you know, more, you know, you know, influential type people that are jumping into the spotlight now saying, oh, hey, this is my brand or, you know, these products, glyphosate is, you know, is an interesting product, you know, check it out. Here's why it's you know negative for your health. Um, all of a sudden, it is a topic of conversation. We're talking about some of these things. So um, our mission, obviously, is to kind of, you know, let's let's shepherd this thing down the path of, uh, of more current uh, conversation on a regular basis when people walk into a wine shop or when they sit there and make a decision at a, at a table for, for whatever wine they're going to choose for dinner. So, Well, and Brett, I think that you and, and Jackie are doing really, really important work in alcohol beverage and in CPG in general uh, by uh, casting a, a light on people who are doing the right stuff. The, the reality is that, um, you know, within alcohol beverage, uh, you know, it's a, it tends to be a fairly progressive uh, field and people want to do 
the right thing. And, and look, we're really proud to be um, a piece of it. I do think that sometimes, you know, there can be sort of a facile approach to, you know, what this means, which is, you know, it's, you know, it's less sugar or it's lower calories or maybe it's lower alcohol. I think all of those are worthy ends. I don't think any one of those ideas in and of itself, you know, makes for a, a category that's really going to serve the needs um, of consumers. And part of the reason I think that is because I think that consumers, particularly when you talk about alcohol beverage, it's it's part of sort of a holistic um, lifestyle or approach to life that is, yes, it's about wellness, but it's also about just sort of a, a good life. And it's about deliciousness. And, you know, for us, we never want to lose sight of that. And then I also think that, you know, because we're so grounded in in data and science and because we're fully vertically integrated uh, and because we put this notion of making wine and spirits, you know, in this way at the center of everything we do, there's just there's things that we do that other folks for whom this has been sort of an afterthought or something that they've come to lately as they've seen consumer trends, very, very difficult to do. You know, it's there isn't another winery that makes certified pesticide-free wine in yeah. America, for instance. And you know a lot about the data because it's some, something that you focus a mm. lot on, but it seems like right now the, the trends are heavily favored in the low sugar mm -hmm. um, category. So, the, you know, I've, I've noticed just even as a retail store owner, um, the number of people that are coming in looking for this low sugar statement that may or may not even be you know, relevant with certain certain products. Uh, mm. But it seems like some of the things that are more important, you just mentioned pesticides and having uh, a claim that you can put on the label that says certified pesticide or herbicide free or not having plastics or heavy metals seems like maybe something that people would like to be paying more attention to given the uh, the potential negative health <laughs> impacts down the line. Well, uh, yeah, look, yeah. I, I, at, least, <clears throat> at least that's what's true for me. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we have a, a real responsibility as manufacturers of, of products that people put in their bodies and that they give to their friends and their loved ones, that we that we provide a product that is as pure as as it can be, and that we offer consumers that degree of transparency, including, you know, third party uh, certification. Uh, so that you know, folks can make their own choices and and feel um, good about them. I mean, at the end of the day, when it comes to better for you, it's kind of all in the eyes of the beholder. I mean, different strokes for different yeah. folks, right? Yeah. You know, so s some things people be more motivated by this low calorie. I mean, the thing for me lately has kind of been this. Uh, for me, as a kind of target consumer. Um, more about the sustainability and the environmental mm -hmm. commitments, the same things that I look for when I go grocery shopping. I expect those same types of, I guess, ideology to come through in my adult beverage pur purchases as well. It's just that you don't see that many offerings in the space, or at least not enough people are talking about it. Yeah. And we need to, like, it needs to be grouped into grocery. And it's obviously, you know, the, the rules and the restrictions, you know, this isn't an FDA type of a product. It's, you know, we got to look at some of the things that are limited. So we need to actually, as consumers, educate ourselves in different ways. But some of these, you know, you know, there's obviously success with organic, sustainable, biodynamic, some of these categories that currently exist. Um, 
I mean, do you think those fit the bill or do we need to, I know you're in the pr- process of building some, some, you know, natural wine certification and a natural pathway certification. Is this based on some of these other categories not fitting the bill or is it just a natural progression and evolution from, you know, where we started? Uh, that's a great question. It, and um, a couple of pieces to it. Um, the first is that I think certifications like, uh, you know, organic and biodynamy, uh, salmon safe, et cetera, super important. Uh, and, you know, in fact, the vast majority of the grapes that we grow either on contract basis or that we own are certified organic. Our wineries, our distilleries are certified organic is really important. It sets a a certain standard and expectation. I also think there are some limitations to those certifications uh, that I think are well known uh, because they're they're process certifications. So the process is good, but it doesn't go all the way to assuring for consumers that what they're consuming is actually free from. Uh, for instance, you know, uh, um, you know, we have developed significant. Uh, data, category data throughout CPG that demonstrates that while certified organic products are generally lower in pesticides, they're actually significantly higher in other industrial contamination like um, heavy metals. And so there are some limitations right, to what those kind of certifications can do, uh, which is why for us um, looking to uh, sort of that next generation of third-party certifiers like Clean Label Project is so important because because you know Jackie and her team really take it to an entirely different level by insisting upon this sort of parts per billion benchmarked testing to assure that you're not just following a process but that at the end of the day you're actually delivering on that purity And just a little bit of background for our listeners, a little bit about Clean Label Project. So Clean Label Project, obviously, I've got a little bit of a bias here. Um, We have a certification program. Essentially, we um, wrote, uh, we have our Purity Award standard, which tests and evaluate products for things like heavy metals, pesticide residues, plasticizers. um, And we offer a certification program related to that, of which several of integrated beverage groups brands are are included, which is is amazing to see. Uh, As Ari also had uh, alluded to, it sounds like some of the fields from integrated beverage group are also certified organic. And one of the realities, and Brett, I think you and I have talked about this before, is the unfortunate reality is that less than 1% of agricultural land domestically is certified organic. And because of that, you have, because of birds and bees, water and wind, inadvertent drift occurs. Um, Because certified organic farmers can't rely on things like synthetic fertilizers and other chemicals as soil amendments or inputs into the soil, they have to rely on compost. But with that less than 1% of agricultural land that's certified organic, they have to rely on conventional compost, which unfortunately typically comes from conventional chicken litter, um, hence where these elevated amounts of heavy metals. There's actually been a few different studies that have identified that. So while the organic promise of less exposure to pesticide absolutely holds true, it's one where that type of agricultural system is not without its limitations, just as you eloquently had indicated, Ari. So yeah, no, it's it's one where you kind of have to 
really kind of look at all the different approaches and kind of figure out what which one's the best fit for for your farm, for, you know, as well as what consumers are interested in, as well as watch kind of what kind of trends are on the horizon. Mm. And let's give the uh, listener, listeners just a few ideas. I mean, when we talk about integrated beverage, uh, people might not have any idea what, what, what we're talking about here, but um, as it relates to organic and, and natural processes, you guys just recently, you know, elevated the Duck Pond Winery, which you acquired at the end of 2019. Um, 2018, actually. 2018, excuse me, yep. um, to or, or certified organic, which is a huge move right there mm-hmm. in the Dundee Hills, which is awesome. And then the acquisition of uh, Ransom Winery and Distillery is a huge thing as well because of the network of some of these, you know, historic organic vineyards that are uh, producing amazing fruit. And with that comes a really high quality uh, winemaking team that is used to working with um product from some of these sources. So that's a that's a really, really cool thing. So that's obviously some new stuff that's happened uh, recently. Um, was the how did that whole certification process start? And was it a ch- major challenge? Or was the well, I mean, t- talk to us about that just a little bit. Well, I think it, it really comes back to, you know, what's at the center uh, of uh, your, your business. And to the extent that what's at the center of your business is sort of purity and transparency, then um, it, you know, developing uh, certified organic standards or adhering to them, uh, transitioning vineyards, you know, that we may have purchased along the way that were conventional into organic, um, and same with, you know, our facilities, uh, is it's an ongoing process. It's a constant uh, uh, discipline. Uh, and uh, it, it's what I would say is it's not something you can just sort of you know, turn on a dime and say, well, we're going to be organic now. It's, it, it, it's a real commitment. And Turning the large boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you just, you have to, you have to stay on it, you know, consistently over time. And it really does have to be at the center of what you do uh, for it to be meaningful. So yes, tremendous commitment. I wouldn't say there's any one particular time where like that happened. It's been sort of built into our DNA uh, from the start. And I, I would add, you know, along with that ransom uh, acquisition that we made uh, February twenty eighth of of twenty twenty, um, you know that 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 distillery sits on a certified organic a forty acre a field that has some uh, vineyard land, but mostly it's um, you know cereal grains that go into the uh, distillation process. Awesome. And if you haven't had any of the Ransom products, they're absolutely fantastic. I was fortunate enough to uh, represent those when I worked for uh, a, uh, a an in- importer and uh, Domain Select with, at the time uh, had those products. And I was uh, fortunate to sell them to six different states in my territory. And so I've, I kind of fell in love with them you know, 12 to 13 years ago before mm-hmm. it had anything to do with this. So it's kind of seeing it resurface and seeing what you're doing with it. it. It's kind of a cool thing to, yeah. to see that uh, back in the mix. Cause I think the, uh, you know, the way they set, set off to, you know, start the, the program and, and the products and everything that they do and to see it where it is now that they've never deviated from that that focus and it's really cool and, and now that you've acquired it it's kind of continuing in that in that path but also just giving some additional resources and foundation for them to take it even to the next level so so yeah, i would right. i would say that obviously you see some organic wines out there and mm. 
<laughs> I remember, Brett, you and I, you and I had talked about the funk sometimes that's associated with organic wines. But I have to say that I think what's what I see less of than organic wines in adult beverage would be spirits. And so with Ransom being in the distillery space, um, what are some trends that you're seeing in kind of this whole better for you category around adult spirits? Well, no question that uh, there is um, a significant growing demand for a certified organic a spirit that's not been uh, typically the route that um, uh, Ransom went, at least prior to acquisition, um, uh, just because uh, the supply chain for organic inputs is is really tough to manage. Uh, we are moving in that direction with uh, a series of certified organic uh, products that we'll make a- available through our tasting room and our spirit club uh, starting, I want to say, in the second half of this year. Um certainly in you know an area that we'll be moving more and more into that's exciting very cool super cool and the other thing that you're playing around with with the distillery up there that um, i've been selling at my store and it's been it's been wildly successful so far is this uh, brand dose well yeah thank you for bringing that up yeah. I, I see you've got a, a, a bottle of the we do the gin free sitting here uh it looks delicious i just need a uh a tonic product to uh, to, to accompany. Well, Just and, drink it, and Brett. that's a uh, that what you have there is a, a, an experimental uh, package. My anticipation is that we'll uh, offer that through our tasting room and our DTC uh, program at some point in the next you know little while. But that's a, that is actually a, a, a barrel aged uh, non alcoholic gin product taken an in inspiration from our iconic old Tom gin yeah. uh, at the Ransom Distillery. Uh, so, and and thank you for bringing up the 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 brand because it's it's personally it's important uh, to me. You know, wh- one of uh, our our key value pillars that I, I articulated a little bit at the beginning of the conversation is that we will use this really unique science and data to solve you know real problems for consumers and retailers, and and that's really where the dose concept uh, came from. You know, I, I had. Uh, personally, I had my last drink uh, of alcohol on uh, July 3rd of, of 2012. Mm-hmm. And since then, uh, I've consumed more than my fair share of, you know, ginger beer, <laughs> as you know, <laughs> yes. with you. Mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and Diet Coke and so forth. Uh, and, and look, I, you know, I, I, I love a Shirley Temple as much <laughs> as the next guy. <laughs> but, uh, um, but at some point, especially with the keto fra- fa- you know, craze, I realized that I needed to, you know, sort of find a way that I could indulge my adult sensibility for sort of sophisticated flavors. Gotta up your game a little bit, yeah, Ari, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> two cherries instead of You can of still one. put two cherries as a garnish <laughs> in this. I mean, you can still make that happen. You don't have to completely abandon that. <laughs> you don't have to abandon the cherries. Yeah. It's a good point. That's an excellent point. Uh, but, the, but the notion was, uh, you know, that... It, why isn't there product on the market that is truly craft? You know, I think it's important to know that the dose products are made by uh, the same master distiller, Matt Jehovic, who who makes the ransom products. Um, you know, so truly craft products that deliver the the sophisticated flavors and a mixability of of craft cocktail, uh, but without any alcohol. So that's what we uh, set out to do, and. And I'm really, really pleased uh, with where we ended up. Of course, 
you know, it wouldn't have been possible without the help of a, a certain master sommelier who <laughs> I know, uh, uh, who uh, uh, definitely helped a ton in the consultation uh, along the way For uh, sure. to make sure we got the flavors right. But look, it's been a, an amazing um, success story so far. It, you know, the the three tier distribution system, the wholesale network is there, you know, they're a little bit sort of slower to come around, but geez, in terms of going directly to consumers over Amazon and just on our own DTC sites, it's been amazing. Open up the channels and, and like just, just watch it go. It's amazing. You yeah. don't have to have all these limitations of alcohol uh, right. going over state lines and stuff. It's got to be a, a freeing experience. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And look, 70% of consumers want to drink less over the next 12 months than they have in the last 12 months. For sure. You know, but we got to give them... You know, they're not talking about Diet Coke and ginger beer. Right? You know yeah, what I compare it to? I compare it to like uh, vegetarian cuisine and that whole lifestyle 20 years ago. Yeah. When, if you were a vegetarian, you'd walk into a restaurant and, and not only, you know, was the kitchen like, oh, great, you know, but right. they just like they'd build this like massive plate of overcooked vegetables oh, and send so it out. True. And people would be like that. That looks disgusting, yeah. you know, and it wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't until there were a handful of chefs and people kind of committing to all of a sudden, like now vegetable and vegan cuisine and all, all these different, I mean, you can have Michelin three-star experiences from, from the greatest chefs producing these amazing vegetable-based dishes. And so the sa same thing, you know, just because you don't drink alcohol doesn't mean you don't want craft associated with something that's put in front of you. Exactly. That's, so, a, that's a really so, good point. No, so, I, I was thinking of it as well, um, like gluten-free back five, six years ago, it was just oh, yeah. started. And it was one where it was cardboard and the texture was off. But then so many people started following gluten-free diet. But once enough people get into it, they're able to kind of refine the art, so to speak. And so mm -hmm. I say, I, I think that that same type of thing I can see happening in, you know, uh, no low alcohol adult beverage. I'm, I'm looking at Ari, um, it's called the drinks business. And it's even as, as recent as March 1st, saying that um, the no and low alcohol market is expected to grow by 31% by 2024. So what are some of the things that are really driving this? Like, what is the onus of all of these people moving away from alcohol, alcohol, alcoholic alcohol? Yeah. Well, it, look, it's interesting because um, over the past 12 months, you know, we've seen our alcohol business grow really, really dramatically uh, as well. Uh, I think, you know, in part because, you know, it's one of the hobbies that a lot of people taken uh, during COVID. You know, took up and, and, and God bless them. Uh, but <laughs> Happy hour can start at one o'clock in the afternoon now. That's, that's sure. Right. Yeah. Nobody needs to be the wiser. <laughs> um, uh, having said that, you know, there are so many stressors uh in uh, in our lives today that that even you know even more than existed pre-covid uh and and in in my experience uh there are a lot of folks who are just looking for um you know alternative ways uh to lead their lives that um you know maybe include you know less sugar maybe include you know less uh animal protein uh maybe include you know less less alcohol and and so i think that there's a big portion that sometimes you know folks call them uh, sober curious i you mm. know I, I think that's an interesting term that 
I think basically means I'd like to drink less, you know, <laughs> which I think a lot of people can relate to. And then there's, you know, and, and look, I want to be very careful about suggesting that, you know, folks in the, you know, uh, in the, like the 12 step uh, community might, you know, see value in a product like dose, you know, for a lot of people, it, it's still not a good idea, mm -hmm. you know, but there is a certain group of folks like myself for whom this, you know, this provides a, a really nice uh, alternative. So I think it's that combination. The other thing that we've seen is that younger consumers report that they want to drink less or they are drinking less, whether that's actually true or not. I think the data will bear out over time. I, I can't pretend to know, but it's certainly, you know, driving interest in the category. Mm -hmm. Certainly. And there's been the shift to marijuana consumption and a lot of people don't want to just take down, you know, five cocktails in addition to, you know, having a few edibles. So right. this is, this is, and I, and I think the social component that we're, mm -hmm. that we're, we, we haven't talked about, you know, up until yeah. this point, I think social is what people want. Mm -hmm. And so as we, as you know, this pandemic hopefully settles and, you know, if, if we're able to safely gather in a little bit more, you know, restaurant settings and, and with, with friends and family, Doing stuff where it's like having a fun beverage to to have in front of you that's not a Coca Cola or a Shirley Temple it makes perfect sense. And these, you know, there's three different flavors of the dose that that can be, you know, if you're not a gin person, you don't like the juniper influence. You can go with the if you like Aperol spritz, the bittersweet is one of the one of the I think the most successful in the lineup there. Mm -hmm. It has all sorts of applications, but just you could do a non-alcoholic non uh, groovy Prosecco. You could do just simple soda with a little little orange or lime or lemon um, is completely delicious. Uh, the orange liqueur is the other component of the uh, of the trio there. Um, you can actually blend all three of them together and make a little non-alcoholic Negroni, as uh, <laughs> one of our local bartenders, uh, Dre over at Corita, has done, which is awesome. A couple dashes of Fee's uh, non-alcoholic non bitters uh, to, to throw in the mix there. So you can really have fun with it. And some people, you know, if you want it just lower alcohol, adding some Prosecco to that, to that spritz and just taking it down a little bit is actually kind of a nice thing. That's um, a great, yeah, we, we call it, you've got your no-dose cocktails yeah. and then you've got your low-dose low cocktails. Cocktail. So, For sure. so, Brett, tell me a little bit, like if you were going to pair this with something when it comes to different kinds of meals, that was like a, we'll just say, because it's sitting here, the the no-gin gin, what kind of things would you, what would you pair that with? You know, I for I think of cocktails and I think of this application as, as really that aperitif. Um, I really, not necessarily as much of, you know, I like I'm not saying... It wouldn't go with something, but you know, I do like uh, the idea of just having it on its own, either with with tonic or as a as a Negroni or some sort of a cocktail as that beginning part, mm. kind of waking up your senses, getting you excited for a meal. Um, and and you know, I mentioned Corita; they do such an amazing job of just the gin and tonic. This you know, kind of you know, this resurgence of that particular cocktail and how popular it was. Um, it's such a delicious beverage. And if you don't want the alcohol, this is a great way to enjoy that same experience. But you can put all sorts of different um, vegetable components in addition to fruit, um, fennel, radishes, mm. different things that kind of, especially now, like, you know, this, this spring produce uh, wave that we're just about to enjoy here uh, works beautifully with any of that stuff. So um, certainly you could, you could highlight some of the flavors with different uh, herbs and vegetables and different things if, if you wanted to just serve it straight up. Uh, but I think it is, it works really, really well as a, as a, as a blending item. And I do notice the, uh, you know, certainly having the stamp of the certified pesticide free, um, is not something you see 
as you're walking down the uh, the spirits or non-alcoholic spirit type type shelf there. So um, I do applaud uh, uh, the effort to make sure that that is that is tested and and uh, you know. Jackie, we talk about this all the time, but you know, you are one you know, organization that's that's you know focusing on this mission to to create transparency in this this category. Um, but I would like to see fifty other you know businesses you know doing that same thing. It's you know it's something that I think is so important, and so it's nice to see it actually on the label itself. So definitely, uh, one other one other trend I wanted to talk about is obviously we've seen this. You know, we've we've talked about the emergence of organic and better for you, low alcohol, no alcohol. Um, Ari, I know that you've been working on, and I'm saying this because I know it, because I'm part of it with natural wine. The thing that has been so interesting for me, just for, for background for consumers, you know, I'm just your regular food safety and consumer product quality systems engineer. And so uh, typically when I think about food and you think about natural claims, you're thinking about things of like, you know kind of like more clean label. It doesn't contain ingredients that you can't pronounce. Um, maybe it has natural, has certain elements of non-GMO, um, certified organic and stuff like that. But the world and the word natural means quite a different thing within the wine space. So maybe actually like Ari, as well as Brett, your kind of first, your thoughts on, or just describe what it means to be natural in the wine space, because it's a completely different phenomenon than what consumers see within the food space. For sure. I mean, it's it's a wide open uh, question with a lot of different philosophies and, th- and and thoughts. But I think you know, for me, it starts with organic or biodynamic farming. So you got to have, you know, a clean product coming from a clean source, as much in the way of of clean water, air, soil as you possibly can. Um, and then you know, certainly a lot of. Uh, you know, focus on natural yeast and you know the fermentation process being, you know, done without as much you know manipulation as you might have in conventional wine pr- production. Mm. Um, and certainly, there are some people going in the spiritual direction, but there are um, you know there's there, there's a handful of different markers that we have to to you know adhere to to make a natural or a natural pathway wine. And I know this is something that you're kind of looking at you know, moving, moving some of your products into, um, have you started this process at, mm. at this point? Well, you know, um, it was, it, it was really, really interesting to us to see, uh, Jackie and clean label project begin that work. And, you know, I know consultation with a range of winemakers and so forth around a standard because, um, it's such a hot button, as you know, in in the wine space, I've read so many, you know, like angry blogs, <laughs> you know, about what is natural and what's not, and you know, did you inoculate or is it indigenous or, and I mean, and that's just like the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, and um, my sense for it is is that folks want uh uh unmanipulated you know product that is as pure and and sort of natural uh, as it could be um, and they want to know what's in it and and to to me all of the um, sort of um, ink that's been spilt uh, around you know whether your thing is really natural or not for XYZ obscure reasons uh, sort of misses the point that 
in a sense, that consumers um, do desire natural products and that we need a set of standards that we can adhere to such that, you know, if everybody agrees with the clean label standard for natural or natural pathway, well, you know, look, that's never going to happen. You're never going to convince, you know, everybody about, I mean, you know, look, there's always that, you know, that when you do a survey about whether you, you know, you know, like toilet paper, there's always that 10% who will say, no, I don't like toilet paper. So you're never going to please everybody. Right. But, but I think that, um, uh, having a standard that is clear and transparent and visible to everybody, to me, that's that's meaningful. And so we're really excited about it. And we see it as a way to really uh, take the, this amazing legacy in Duck Pond Cellars and, and really push it forward to the next logical step. You know, the, the, the Freeze family have, they were the original owners of Duck Pond Cellars. They've always been... Uh, really leaders uh, in the space and sort of pointed the way to where Oregon could be. And so when we saw the opportunity to take Duck Pond to that next step of of becoming a certified natural wine, and as I understand it, it may actually be the first certified natural wine, uh, for us, that's exciting. And, and it was, so that's where we're headed. It was one awesome. for us at, at Clean Label Project. As you know, Brett, we worked so closely in consultation with you on that one. Um, what we really tried to achieve is take inspiration by so many of these amazing legacy brands that are out there that have been following these natural wine principles as well as inspiration um, from the new natural wine regulation in France. And so kind of take that, pull it into something that seems fit for purpose for the domestic market. And then we added kind of this, this second tier that we called natural path, which also embraces those whole those those core requirements around um, you know certified organic pesticide free or glyphosate especially free neonicotinoid free um, grapes um, as well as limitations on things like sulfites and other types of uh, filtration systems and things like that. But we also made some allowances for some modern more modern day techniques that allow for a reproducibly good product, just so it's not completely up to, to Mother Nature, kind of as the natural path did. At least that was that was the inspiration, at least for me, when we took with natural, it's, you know, staying true to the core, but natural path, you know, allowing for a few, few uh, additional tools in the toolbox, so to speak. So part of the reason why I liked that natural path standard, that second standard, and, and we're, we're deep into both, you know, we will over time produce both. But part of the reason I like that other standard was because it sort of democratizes this uh, what's otherwise a fairly highfalutin idea that's really only accessible to a very, very small segment of the wine drinking population uh, who, you know, are probably overwhelmingly urban and, you know, and have, you know, the money to drop $20, $30 and more on some sort of natural product. Uh, that natural path opportunity allows us to uh, bring wines that that carry forth that same uh, philosophy uh, to consumers, but to do it at you know under twenty bucks. I think one of the other things too that stays true to your purpose is 
the whole transparency element of it is mm-hmm. like one where if you want to pop the hood, kick the tires and read this, you know, 40 page document, by all means, it's on the cleanlabelproject.org website. So you too can immerse yourself in the legalese of standards development. For sure. Always a good time. Yeah, it's I mean, I had it's knowing what's in your product is is critical. I had a you know, one of my employees asked me today as I was walking out, uh, you know, about an element in a relatively natural wine, you know, that that came across as kind of a mercaptan, like a burnt, you know, like a rotten egg type of a smell. And the the interesting part is, is I think this natural, if you look at some of the producers that are coming in from wherever it happens to be, a lot of the European wines, um, a lot of these people are are pushing the envelope on technique and style and some of the flavor profiles that come come about aren't always the most favorable. They're not, I mean, we, we talked about earlier, like at the end of the day, you want this product to taste great. So I think this is still a, a moving target and there is evolution and there are people <clears throat> in Sicily, for example, like Frank Corneliuson, who makes great wine and is very much considered a, a natural focused, you know, you know, he's celebrated for this world of natural wine. But even he is starting to add little bits of sulfur just before bottling mm. for the for the purpose of, of st- stability as his wines go around the world. And I know he's got some flack for that. And, you know, the, the, the very, you know, staunch natural wine people are like, how could you possibly do this? But there has to be a way, there's got to be this natural pathway or a, or at least a progression that is understood by consumers and is maybe, you know, sought after by some of the producers to actually like follow in that same same way. You're you're never going to make everybody happy, but I think the the ultimate result is so good for the industry and is so good for our consumers and sommeliers and people who want to enjoy these beverages. I think mm-hmm. as long as it's transparent and the information <clears throat> is out there, then it, again, it goes back to consumers having the choice of what's the right fit for them, their ideology, you know, what works for themselves and their family. So no, for I sure. Sounds great. And one more brand uh, that I wanted to just quickly highlight uh, that I think, you know, might also have served as a foundation is this Life Fine brand. Mm. And obviously, you've got a couple of claims on the label talking about certified pesticide-free and and lower sugar and better for you, that whole category. How, that brand is is doing quite well, no? Yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah. Life Fine's been, I mean, for look, we're, we're small winery, but Life Fine in that context has been, you know, sort of a breakout uh, success for us. Um, and and yes, I do think that you know the fact that it's zero sugar, the fact that it's made from organic grapes, that it is certified pesticide free, that you know the ingredients are listed on the back label along with serving facts. Uh, I think all of those are important markers to you know to consumers who care about this kind of you know wellness you know uh, uh, lifestyle that we've been discussing. Uh, I also think. You know, the fact that the wines are really, really delicious. Mm. You know, they're made by, uh, you know, one of the great winemakers uh, of all time in California, you know, Ed Killian, uh, who um, is our chief winemaker. And, you know, a great deal of care goes into, you know, those wines. The, the truth is that a lot of our competitors at that sort of $15 price point, you know, they spill more wine every day than you know, than Ed makes in a year of Life Fine. So they're very carefully crafted, uh, truly delicious whole wines uh, that also, you know, happen to express these these value pillars that are really fundamental to us and that, you know, we found really matter to consumers. So 
Yeah, yeah I mean, the small <clears throat> organic vineyards like, you know, Larson Vineyard in, in Carneros, you yeah. know, sourcing high quality Chardonnay for the Chardonnay. Yeah. You've got organic sites that you're using for the Pinot Noir. Same thing with the Cabernet mm-hmm. going back to California. Mm-hmm. But all three of these brands, I mean, for the listeners that are not aware of Lifevine, you know, there's certain competitors like Fitvine and some of these things where it's this this notion of, you know, at least if you're picking up this bottle, you're you're probably more interested in things that you're putting in your body. Um, the fact that there's a nutritional panel on the back of it is mm-hmm. is kind of a foreign topic for uh, for wine uh, packaging, and I think it's a great direction for us to take. I think uh, I would love to see more wineries jump on that and uh, and move in the in the direction of not just having contain sulfites on the back of a bottle. I think we need to know more about what's in our wine. Yeah, look, I, I really agree. And, um, and you know, and my hat's off to, to brands like um, uh, Fitvine that have really, you know, expanded the, the category and, and created space for, for brands like Lifevine to, to grow and, and be successful. Awesome. Well, I think that's uh, that's a wrap for uh, for today's episode. Ari Walker, thank you so much for your time and your input and your uh, professionalism. We uh, appreciate who you are and what you're doing. And, uh, of course, Jackie, always a pleasure. Always. We'll keep it going. Awesome. Thanks, thank Ari. you so much, guys. Thanks for having mm-hmm. me. Here. Enjoy your day. Thank you so much. This was brought to you by The Sustainable Psalm, the podcast aimed at celebrating socially and environmentally responsible wine and adult beverages through the use of science and education. For more information on The Sustainable Psalm, please visit us at sustainablesalm.org and check us out on Facebook at hashtag sustainablesalm and Instagram at sustainablesalm.